Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, News and Analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas, for your listening edification. Today is Friday, April 30th, 2021. We will be pre-recording a show to be aired this Monday, May the 3rd, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. At KOOP.org, many of the shows are archived at PedroGatos.org. All comments are welcomed and can be sent to Pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. This is our 54th post-COVID show. A new world, but the same place. So stay tuned for a very informed and documented dialogue. Thank you for joining us. And we hope to have a recording of the show up on pedrogatos.org website for your closer scrutiny within the week. Again, thank you for joining us tonight. And thanks for inviting your friends to join us in future shows. So stay tuned. But first, in the battle of ideas, let's get ready to go to war. Pedro Gatos and bringing light into darkness, Monday news and analysis since we began broadcasting on Co-op Radio in 2002. Has been investigating and seeking to present genuine truth-seeking perspectives of how U.S. foreign policy impacts majority populations around the world. We also seek to identify other human-generated behaviors that either create or aggravate human misery outcomes in the world that by definition are preventable and therefore reversible. Over the past 18 years, our record speaks to the veracity of our reporting. The impact of U.S. foreign policy in the world, on the world, population, is unrivaled in reach and in impact. Our presumption is that the U.S. population is a compassionate and social justice-driven people, that if we know the truth of the matter, we support policies that promote the most fair and democratic outcomes. The problem is, too often, we are misinformed by our government and our mainstream media. Therefore, this show is dedicated to critically evaluating all information before accepting it as believable and as worthy for becoming the foundation for building our worldview understandings upon. Tonight our show is dedicated to the evolution of how war and conflict are marketed through think tanks and other entities financed by the interests behind national security interests and their war profiteering nature. We specifically feature Bellingcat and the Atlantic Council. And the recent article by Dr. Alan McLeod is reviewed that focuses on this subject. These dynamics combined with the co-optation of media as a fifth column are discussed and explicated by our guest Dr. Alan McLeod, as we welcome him back to bringing light into dark. Enjoy. Welcome, alternative news listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin. This is bringing light into darkness, Monday news and analysis. Today is April 30th, 2021, and we will be having the great fortune of visiting with an esteemed investigative journalist, Dr. Alan McLeod. First, I had some introductory words to set the stage, so let me jump into those. Many people have heard of the term a fifth column, and it's any group of people who undermine a larger group from within, usually in favor of an enemy group or nation. A clandestine fifth column activities can involve acts of sabotage, disinformation, or espionage executed within defense lines by secret sympathizers with an external force. So here are the external force... If you listen to this show, we've talked about it before, is the interests 
of this Goliath-sized wealth-holding elite class interest. And when I say Goliath, it's not that the class is big, but the amount of wealth owned is huge. What is striking and makes up the socioeconomic political determination and shaping of our world reality is that a war and conflict-driven environment seems to maximize the chances that this disproportionate wealth advantages these elites have remain largely unaltered. That inequality rather than equality for all rules the day. This is not an empty assertion. It is born out of facts in outcomes of governments that we support versus those we oppose. And I'm speaking about U.S. foreign policy now. This radio show has detailed and documented this pattern of outcomes throughout a large number of radio shows that focused on the simple question, is the majority population's quality of life better off or worse off as a result of the U.S. foreign policy intervention or change of government that the U.S. foreign policy and its allies were materially involved in promoting? Just focusing since the beginning of the 21st century on the U.S. foreign policy intervention examples include Iraq, the 2003 invasion, and overthrow of their government, Libya 2011, the overthrow of their government, in Haiti, our support for the coups that overthrew Bertrand, Aristide and the Lavalis party that came to power through electoral victories. In June of 2009, the Honduran coup that ousted Manuel Zelaya. Uh, the penetration of civil societies in so many countries, but particularly Bolivia and Ecuador is of note over the last decade or so through U.S.-funded interventions. Through all of this, the unending unjust war and conflict in, in Libya and in Syria as well, in which our allies in Syria were never moderate rebels, but instead terrorist al-Qaeda-type-led forces. And in the case of Ukraine, where we actually brought to power through a coup, a coup government that was riddled with neo-Nazi cabinet members. So the question is, why has our mainstream media failed to ask and pursue simple questions such as, why our war on terror since 9-11? Why has the most powerful military in the history of the world failed to reduce the threat of terror worldwide, but instead resulted in markedly greater terrorist activity throughout the world? particularly in those areas that we are most involved in. Simply put, it is because there is a pattern of too often unreported by the mainstream media and therefore hidden from public view. Terrorists and terrorism have acted more as our allies in our foreign policy initiatives in these conflict zones such as Libya, Syria, and Yemen. Another question, why has the mainstream media not called out the fact that millions have died as a result of the Iraq intervention alone, not to mention millions of more in Vietnam the last century? The reason becomes obvious if and once you closely scrutinize this long and consistent pattern of U.S. foreign policy outcome behaviors, our press is disproportionately owned by the wealthy interests of our country and serves those interests as its primary loyalty. This is what makes our mainstream media a quote-unquote fifth column. It acts more like a public relations firm for preparing and indoctrinating the U.S. public to accept and endorse illegal endless war after endless war, such as we will likely see regarding the Afghanistan situation and our continued illegal occupation and presence in Syria. Please bear with me as I conclude these remarks. Mainstream media news is an industry and business first. It has become a fifth column, if you will, 
for a wealthy elite whose disproportionate wealth has long ago tragically compromised our democracy, and it could never have done so in our democracy without controlling information made available and information not made available to the U.S. public. So the term controlling the narrative is an essential concept in deconstructing how U.S. public opinion is shaped in a prejudicial fashion to accept the status quo of of profound inequality rather than in an honest attempt to get at the truth. Instead, well-articulated and researched dissent is blocked from the airways and therefore is blocked from public consideration and is mischaracterized by prejudicial terms such mantras as Russian aggression or an Assad apologist or fake news without any further critical discussion of the counter-narrative being allowed. The result is what Herbert Marcuse described as a closed universe of discourse and what Herbert Schiller described in his book Mind Managers as mind management. This is what has enabled and allowed U.S. foreign policy initiatives one after another to be consistently on the wrong side of humanitarianism, yet be believed by the majority U.S. population to be altruistically driven. So tonight we discuss the business of creating or supporting narratives through think tanks and other paid entities whose loyalty, driven by such payments, may be more loyal to the national security state talking points promoting endless conflicts and the profitability that generates to elements of the war economy than to a more peaceful and equitable world. So with that being said, I wanted to welcome our guest. We're very blessed to have with us Dr. Alan McLeod. Alan, welcome back to Bringing Light into Darkness. It's good to be back with you, Pedro. Very good. Well, Dr. McLeod, he's a freelance writer. He's a senior staff writer with Mint Press News. He lives across the pond, and he writes for a number of publications, including the aforementioned Mint Press News, The Guardian. He's written for Common Dreams and Jacobin Magazine, Counterpunch. I've read a number of his articles in a publication that I particularly appreciate, which is the Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting. Dr. McLeod is a journalist and academic who specializes in propaganda, fake news, media criticism, and Latin America. So you've written a number of books as well. Alan, if I could start off, I think the particular subject that I wanted to venture to have you speak to tonight is connected to one of your more recent articles. It was an April 9th 2021 piece that was called How Bellingcat Launders National Security State Talking Points into the Press. And for those people that are not familiar with Bellingcat, it's been often quoted in order to incriminate what happens to be state enemies of the United States. And I wanted to ask you first, Alan, can you give us a brief overview of Bellingcat and what provoked your interest in dedicating such a detailed article to that earlier this month? Yeah, sure. So I suppose the way Bellingcat describes itself, I mean, certainly its founder, Elliot Higgins, who's just written a new book about his organization. He describes it as the intelligence agency for the people. Mm-hmm. And if you read mainstream media accounts of it, full of absolutely gushing praise, talking about how it's so transparent and innovative and without bias. And yeah, just this great new collective uh, that is transforming investigative journalism. And it's this really big force for good using 21st century tools like big data and open source technology 
to really get through and uh, strike through the cords of propaganda and find out what the truth is. And I suppose one of the reasons why I was so interested in looking at this, and I've been looking into Bellingcat for the past couple of months, is because it, it just gets such a relentless positive press in big media outlets. But what I found really was that actually, rather than being completely independent and holding both sides, the West and the East, the Global South and the Global North, to the same standard, actually when you read Bellingcat's output, it almost completely correlates with what Western intelligence agencies like the CIA or the NI5 and MI6 in the UK would like people to know about very controversial topics like, for instance, the Syrian war, the war in Iraq, the war in Yemen, things to do with Russian espionage vis-a-vis NATO. And the reason that is, is because they, there are all sorts of very profound and interlocking ties between the Western security states, like CIA, the FBI, the NSA, and Bellingcat, even though it purports to be a completely independent organization. And I think one of the best ways of seeing that is just uh, talking about a couple of Bellingcat staff. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, their senior investigator, Mick Waters, for example, he spent three years as an officer in the British Army in Afghanistan, where he furthered the British state's objectives in the region. Shortly after that, he went to King's College London and did a master's degree at the Department of War Study, which I wrote another article about uh, King's College London. That department is uh, infamous for pumping out probably half the spooks in the West. Mm. Most of these staff appear to have links to defense agencies or the military, and it seems like anyone you look on, on LinkedIn who has a degree from that department has ended up in some think tank or some government agency or some intelligence service. Another contributor, for instance, is uh, Cameron Colhoun. His past is even more suspect. He spent a decade in a senior position in GCHQ, which is Britain's version of the NSA. He ran cyber and Middle Eastern terror operations for for the UK there. He's also got a degree from the State Department somehow. And yet none of this is mentioned or disclosed in Bellingcat's bio about him, which merely describes him as the managing director of a private intelligence company that conducts, and I quote, ethical investigations. Mm -hmm. And so that immediately piqued my interest. Why is Bellingcat, which purports to be this new and radically ethical investigative outlet, not disclosing these massive conflicts of interest, which uh, their writers have? You have to go and start doing a research project to find this out. They're not telling you this. And it's not just uh, UK uh, spooks that uh, work there. For instance, Dan Kazika is one of their chief writers. He's written a lot for them. He spent six years in the U.S. Secret Service specializing in chemical, biological, and nuclear weapons. And for six more, he worked as the program manager for the White House military office. And he also tempted to work for the CIA and actually posted his rejection letter on Twitter as if that was some sort of confirming that he was an independent person. Mm. But for many people, independently minded, they were thinking, maybe I wouldn't trust somebody who actually wanted to be part of the CIA when he tells you he's completely independent of that. And of course, Bellingcat itself is actually funded by the U.S. state. I mean, it's got, you know, for for months, uh, it's found that Elliot Higgins denied this, but then suddenly on its website it said, yes, we're funded by the National Endowment for Democracy, which many people will know as a CIA cutout organization, and they're also funded by big tech companies like Google, who also have a huge stake in the U.S. national security state as well. That's what I was looking into, this uh, yeah. this, inv- this uh, outlet, which is constantly referenced in big media 
accounts to bolster the narratives. But in fact, when you start looking into it, it seems that this is just uh, pretty much a front for Western intelligence. Well, it's really interesting what you just went through, because I can remember 15, 18 years ago, there was a big brouhaha in Cuba about quote-unquote political prisoners, right? And part of the political prisoners were attached to these quote-unquote librarians. And it turned out that these quote-unquote librarians were receiving money from the U.S. government in the form of payments that as a result of these payments from the U.S. government, they appeared to be actually an independent group, but they're actually receiving money from the National Endowment for Democracy or, or monies from the State Department itself. So in other words, what's going on is it's like a conscious effort to then pretend that these are independent sources that are coming forth with information and indictments against governments we don't like, as if we just discovered that rather than that they're actually getting paid. And again, to your point, the lack of transparency to indicate who's and where this money is coming from gives it the appearance of being something much different than it really is. And so in Bellingcat, I can remember having Dr. Theodore Polston. He's an MIT physicist, missile expert. He's talked in front of the U.S. Congress back around missiles back in the, the day of the Patriot missiles. And he discovered all sorts of inconsistencies around him and his partner at that time, Dr. Richard Lloyd. He was another physicist slash missile expert, but they pretty much decimated the accusations that was presented with 100% certainty by John Kerry and others that in 2013 of August, that the Syrian gas attacks in El Guto was carried out by Assad. There were some pictures that accompanied a New York Times article, and those pictures were put together by Bellingcat. So, or Elliot Higgins, I can't remember at exactly what time, at what point Bellingcat was founded. But can you speak a little bit to almost whether you want to call it a false flag creation type stuff, that there's this, it seems like there's an industry in which the main characteristic is that lack of transparency that you're talking about. Can you talk a little bit more about that, about some of the Bellingcat involvement in some of these foreign policy issues of the last 10 years, some examples? Well, it seems that Bellingcat has been right in the middle of so many of the big foreign policy fights over the past few years, whether it's, as you say, in Syria, with all the controversy over, you know, which side did the chemical weapons attacks, or even if they were chemical weapons attacks in the first place, or for the MH17 downing of the jet over Ukraine, mm-hmm. or, for instance, the Skripal poisonings, which happened in the United Kingdom right outside the UK's biggest chemical weapons lab in Portland, I think it's called. Yeah, Bellingcat was absolutely crucial in providing a supposedly independent voice. Dr. McLeod, also, can you speak a little bit to the very famous or infamous Navalny poisoning as well, where Navalny's putting out these videos now, or, or I saw a video in which he was citing Bellingcat as the source of some of the crucial allegations that were being made. So I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, just as you've mentioned three or four other ones, here's another big one. It's almost like everywhere there is a call of aggression by a state that we don't like. It's apparently Bellingcat providing the intelligence, yet last time I heard we have a multi-billion dollar intelligence capacity, but we're not creating any of that intelligence ourselves. <laughs> kind of crazy. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, there's also another one, for instance, in Venezuela, where they essentially accuse the Venezuelan government of a political murder of somebody who tried to organize a coup a couple of years ago. And so it always seems that Belencar is particularly interested in cases uh, of enemy states doing wrong. Mm-hmm. They tend to not be particularly interested into looking into British or American crimes in the Middle East, for instance, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah, and as you said, Western intelligence agencies always point to Bellingcat as this great source of uh, knowledge. In fact, former CIA operative Mark Polarmeropoulos, he was the bureau chief in Moscow for the CIA, and he said, and I quote, I don't want to be too dramatic, but we love Bellingcat. Whenever we have to talk to our liaison partners about it, instead of trying to have things cleared or worry about classification issues, you can just reference Bellingcat's work. Mm-hmm. And another former CIA station chief, Daniel Hoffman, said that the greatest value of Bellingcat for us is that we can go to the Russians and just say, there you go, they ask for evidence. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, this is a very useful group for organizations like the CIA and MI6 to have. And of course, you know, Bellingcat is uh, given all this positive press in the media. A lot of Bellingcat employees work on Moonlight for think tanks that are funded by defense contractors and Western governments and uh, big corporations and also Middle Eastern dictatorships as well. And they all kind of reference each other to bolster their opinions, you know. Right. They, the CIA will reference Bellingcat. Bellingcat will reference these... Um, reports put out by these same times and selling to So it looks like yeah. everybody's agreeing with each other. But actually what we're seeing is just this nexus of one opinion being shouted by many voices. That's a great point. They make it sound like there's three or four different sources when really it's all coming from the same place. It's one source and it's being repeated by what appears to be independent investigations from three or four other places when that's not really the case. Let me ask you this because the more I think about this, the... Uh, Foreign policy and being able to justify these unjustifiable, unjust wars and one after another after another, in order for it to have any type of success, it really does seem like there is an industry available for folks that can tow the Western line, you know, whether it was that, you know, Saddam had weapons of mass destruction or or more current issues today. But the issue that you brought out and other people like Aaron Mate have brought out is that Bellingcat and Western media outlets have really failed to disclose that Bellingcat is funded by NATO member states, not just the National Endowment for Democracy from the West. And like you said, the National Endowment for Democracy really was an adjunct of sorts to the CIA. You mentioned in your article, I think a guy's name is Weinstein, when the National Endowment for Democracy founding members indicated that they really did what previously had been done by the CIA. So this is no conspiracy type of theory at all. It's really comes from the, when you look at these different entities and the, and the misinformation and disinformation, it unfolds as a concerted effort to mislead the American public into allowing on false premises a U.S. foreign policy initiative after initiative. Switching our focus to the integrity initiative if I could. The Integrity Initiative, which is a manifestation of the UK intelligence supporter of sorts, it even criticized Bellingcat as being a very often discredited based on spreading misinformation about itself, and I'm reading a quote, and by willing to produce reports for anyone willing to pay, end quote. 
Can you tell us the significance of a critique coming from a party like Integrity Initiative that lends even greater credence to what you criticize Bellingcat claiming in your article? Yeah, I think two reasons why that really leads a bit extra credence to it. And one of them was because that was a leaked document. That was not supposed to see to see the light of day. The public were not supposed to see that document. Mm. That was internal to the UK government. So that's what the UK government was telling each other, that actually Bellingcat has been so discredited. They used the word partially discredited because of their willingness to just pump out reports full of false information and for anyone who pays them. That was basically what the report said. And secondly, because the Integrity Initiative seems to be very much on the same side as Bellingcat. I mean, the Integrity Initiative is this uh, UK government-funded group of journalists and writers and think tanks who all work together, supposedly, to, quote, defend democracy. And what's not said is defending it against Russian misinformation. So what they actually do is they basically, like, go around Europe Mm-hmm. Uh, attacking anyone who's not sufficiently bullish or bellicose on Russia and wants to pursue a bit more of a moderate foreign policy with them, maybe one that wouldn't involve ramping up for World War III. And that's really what they do. They tend to attack groups all across Europe, political parties, journalists, etc., who try to stand up to this sort of creeping, increasing tension uh, with Moscow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the the Integrity Initiative, if I'm not mistaken, it's an intelligence operation. It's really run by the British government. It, it, yeah, it's completely funded by the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, which is the, so, what would be the U.S. equivalent of the Secretary of State or something. Yeah, Right. It's amazing what we're told to believe is fake news. Yet you're talking about institutionally these things being created that put out information that should be highly questioned before being assimilated into believable discourse or whatever. The other thing that was getting back to Navalny a little bit. Or actually, before we get back to Navalny, we need to take a short break for the business of the station. This is the premier community radio station of the nation, 91.7 KOOP. We will be back with our special guest, Dr. Alan McLeod, who's bringing light into darkness after this brief pause for the cause. Stay tuned. <laughs> 